morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Today is Wednesday, April 7th, and we gather this next hour around the gift of the inspired and true Word of God and the Word made flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is our light that died, has risen, and is coming back. And these, this light shines on us today from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. For Paul just finished chapter 4, which was a lot of fun with our guest, as he was looking at the God-pleasing life. In chapter 4, he answers the question that obvious, obviously is part of the, the Thessalonian church, is what happens to those who die in Christ before he returns? That's a big question. That's a question we still ask sometimes today, which is why we look at Holy Scripture. And today, there must have been a question of, okay, all right, so this happens. When does Jesus return? And if we look at that question today, we'll dig in and let the Lord lead us by his Holy Spirit. Stick with us as the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. And a special thanks to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. For all of you, visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. To help us be strengthened by God's word, we have the honor of having with us Pastor Nabil Noor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Hartford, South Dakota, who also serves um, as fourth vice president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Pastor Noor, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Glorious morning to you. Christ is risen. Risen indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good to be back and good to visit with you on uh, this wonderful ministry of KFUO as we bring the words of hope and life to hurting people all around the globe. Amen. Amen. So, Pastor Pastor Newer, how was your Easter? Uh, you know, that's an unusual question. How could <laughs> Easter not be fabulous? Seriously, sure. dear brother, I mean, what would make Easter so bad? The loss of my spouse, the loss of my child. Christ is risen. I am Amen. his child and I'm saved. The rest is secondary. Amen. This is the ultimate. This is the ultimate, you know. So my next question then is something I asked yesterday of our guests and, and of my, uh, my, the pastor who studied with me, is what is your favorite Easter hymn? So, Pastor Newer, what is your favorite Easter hymn? Um, Christ is risen. He's risen today. Alleluia. Oh, man. That's I, I, always the one I think of that we start at least growing up, and since I've been a pastor now, I think that's always been my in, my processional hymn that I've had for Easter morning. That's How about you? Kind of what I've done for a, yeah, I've done that for about thirty years the same way. Um, I mean, it just says it so profoundly, so well. It engages you. It reminds you of the great sacrifice the Lord has given. It reminds you that he died on a Friday and rose on a Sunday and guarantees our salvation. So the joy of that hymn and all that entails, it just profound. It really is. Amen. So I might say amen a lot with all these great words you're saying, Pastor. Well, that's okay. You know, amen comes from the Hebrew word, let it be so. You know, we would say that in Hebrew, so that's a great word to use because you are saying the truth. And if you read in the Greek, for example, when Jesus says uh, something to repeat it, he would say, Amen, Amen, they go to see you. So I say to you, you know, we translate it truly, truly. 
which is uh-huh. which is the accurate translation. But if you look at it in the original, he will say, Amen, Amen. You know, I tell uh-huh. you truly, truly, I say to you, study the scripture, how many times you'll find that, and it's repeated, Amen, Amen. You know, I say that to you. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. So, and I also wanted to ask you, our listeners, as we are have the joy of ha- having Pastor Anur here with us this morning, is he, he says his favorite hymn is Jesus Christ is Risen Today. And, and for you, what is your favorite hymn? So far, we've received a few responses. One of them was, I know my Redeemer lives. We also received, uh, uh, Christ has risen, Alleluia, is 466 in Lutheran's um, service book, which actually is my favorite, but um, there, there's a number of them. So if you have other ones, if you want to repeat, it's totally fine. We can keep a tally here. What is your favorite hymn? Send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org. At the same time, if you have any questions for us this morning as we study First Thessalonians chapter 5, send us an email the same place, kfuo at kfuo.org. Pastor Neuer, can you begin our time in prayer? Oh, I would love to. I'm glad you asked me because I was prepared for that ahead of time. For my prayer, I'm going to use, since you brought the idea with the hymns, I'd like to use Martin Kranzman's uh, hymn, O God, O Lord of Heaven and Earth, and I would use verse 3 and verse 4. I will not sing it, but I will read it because I can't sing. (laughs) Thou camest to our hall of death, O Christ, to breathe our poisoned air, to drink for us the dark despair that strangled our reluctant breath. How beautiful the feet that trod the road that leads us back to God. How beautiful the feet that ran to bring the great good news to man. And verse 4. O Spirit, who did once restore Thy church, that it might be again the bringer of good news to men. Breathe on thy cloven church once more, that in these gray and latter days there may be those whose life is praise. Each life is a high doxology to Father, Son, and unto thee. Amen. Amen. This is a great reminder for me, uh, Pastor Neuer, is that there's times where it's kind of hard to know what to pray, you know, and, and God gives us a gift of the Psalms. We can pray the Psalms. Uh, we can do simple prayers. Just Lord, help me. Lord, be with uh, my pastor, be with my wife, be with my family, whoever it might be. And then there are times where God has given us a gift of these hymns that have been passed down, passed down, pointing us to Jesus that we also can pray. Is that something you've done in your ministry quite a bit? Quite a bit. I actually, I use a lot of the hymns in my sermons uh, when I'm preaching. Mm. Um, I remember William Smelter, who is sainted now in homiletical class. He would say, brothers, even if you go to church and you hear a bad sermon, you will hear the gospel through the hymns. Mm. And he is so he is so right. So it is not uncommon for me uh, to use a verse in my sermon uh, to just make my point more emphatic and more profound in the lives of the saints. Wonderful. Well, that's another great reminder of the importance of preaching and the importance of solid hymns that point us to Christ. Pastor, today I want us to, uh, we are in chapter five. Here's what I want to start with. I'm going to read our 11 verses that we're studying today. First Thessalonians chapter five, 
And then I want to hear some of your introductory and background thoughts you have before we dig in. And I've, I do this partly because I, when I hear things twice, I tend to remember them better. <laughs> and I think it sets the tone. So we're going to do that. Reminder, these are, this is from English Standard Version of the Holy Scriptures. And we'll be reading verses 1 through 11 as Paul writes to the Thessalonians. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for the day, that, day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. You are not night, not of the night nor of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do. Let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us that, we, that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Pastor Neuer, what are some introductory thoughts you have or background information well, as we to help us out this morning? What I would like, the title of my uh, discussion this morning uh, in this chapter is Paraclete People. Okay, That's the title mm -hmm. I have given. It. And I want to go back because five follows four, right? Mm -hmm. Chapter five follows four. And notice how Paul ends chapter four. I want to start there first before we jump into five, because that sets the tone for me. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. He has given them everything that he needed to give them. And now he says, encourage one another with these words. So here are some of introductory comments for us. We are paraclete people. We are paraclete children of the resurrection. Living as if Christ died yesterday and rose today and is coming back tomorrow. We are paraclete people, children of the light. Our, our lives are to reflect the light and the salt of the world. We are paraclete people to be little Christ to the world, as Luther would say, but I would add that we might be little spirit to the world, we are uh, paraclete people sharing the hope of glory and the eternal life promised to us. So if we can, if we can understand who we are as the encouragers and the exhorters mm -hmm. of the precious life-giving, life-sustaining, life-enhancing, life-changing Word of God, our world will be a better place. Tell us what paraclete means. Paraclete is from the Greek words, actually, too, para, along with, kaleo, called to walk along with you. And so when you have the paraclete with you, Jesus, of course, promised to give us the paraclete, right? But if you look at the original, both in chapter 4 and in chapter 5, 
in verse 12. What is the Greek word that is used for encourager? Paraclete, right? He's mm-hmm. the one who encourages us. So we are to be encouragers. And, you know, one thing that I notice that, um, you know, I've been a pastor for almost 30 years now. Thanks be to God for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People leave the church because they don't hear words of exhortation. They don't hear words that uplift them from others. Rather than being encouragers, we tend to look down on people. Rather than being inviting church, we tend to say, well, this is our church. We don't do things like that. So we cannot close the door to some of these things. But Paul exhorts us to be people of the light, I think we might have lost Pastor Newer, which is too bad because he was on a roll, but he was speaking about how we are encouragers in the faith. And I think about this, as he says it so well in chapter 4, encourage one another with these words. Once again, we are in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we are going through a review of what is happening in chapter uh, 4 going into chapter 5. And it ends in verse 18, which is so important. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. As we know in Scripture that Barnabas was the, the, the encourager, the son of encouragement. And it reminds us of how we as a church, as Pastor New Era was saying so well, that we in the church are to be ones who encourage. Our ones encourage one another when we fall, encourage one another when we have joy. I think about this in, in simple ways. Like when I was a kid, and if you made the town paper, that people in church would would cut it out and go from there. But now we have the great encourager, I would say, of pastors is Pastor Newair. You're back. Are you back? I am back. I don't know how much you missed. I, I, I don't know. I just saw my phone kind of go bing, bing. And right. um, so let me just kind of repeat one of the go things for it. I said when I was growing up in Israel my mother would always say that they has eyes. And of course, I didn't understand what that meant as a young boy. But, you know, when you drive at night, your tunnel vision just in front of you. You mm. can see to the left, you can see, you can see above you, you can see below you, just focusing right in front of you. It opens up the whole thing. And in the language, of the Semitic language, because Arabic Hebrew are pretty much the same, to be identified by the Apostle Paul as we are children of light and children of the day, to be identified with that kind of terminology, that is the character of who you are. So for us as Christians, we are children of the light. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the light of the world, and we, his followers, reflect that light for those who are still in the darkness of sin. And this is important, as I I was saying, I can compare this to with Barnabas. I was mentioning Barnabas, and you think of encouragement, I always think of Barnabas. And so whenever people encourage me, I always say, well, you're my Barnabas today. So any thoughts on Barnabas and encouragement and what what he did in his ministry? Yeah, you know, you think of Barnabas. What does Barnabas mean? It's similar to Barabbas. Barnabas is the son of the father. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, you know, we call him the great encourager because he did. He was a great support for the apostle Paul. We know that in First Corinthians, excuse me, in Acts 15. We also know that later on the division 
where there was a division between Paul and Barnabas, he took his uh, cousin Mark with him, and he mm-hmm. encouraged him so much that later on, Paul asked to bring Mark because he is useful for him. And so when you think of an encourager, you ought to think, A, of the paraclete, who's constantly beside you, walking as you ask, I guess, encouraging you to see the light of the world before your very eye, in your very own eyes. Mm-hmm. And by keeping your eyes focused on Christ, you cannot be discouraged. Okay? I mean this very sincerely. When we keep our eyes focused on the risen Christ, we will not be discouraged. It's when we begin to listen to the political uh, politicians and the philosophers and the scientists, we get so despondent because we don't have enough time to focus on what is valuable and what is true and what is real. We are passing through this uh, land. You know, we are not citizens of earth. We are citizens of heaven. So to be so consumed with worldly affairs is to neglect joys of the scripture that emboldens within our hearts the living truth that we are paraclete people. We are mm. people of hope, people of help, people who have heaven as the final destination. Where we fail, even as Christians, myself included, we get distracted by the affairs, <clears throat> excuse me, the affairs of the world, and we tend to focus on these um, little things that can distract us. Just a little thorn, but it gets, you know, to get to uh, bother you. But we forget to see the greater picture where Jesus said in John sixteen thirty three, Let not your heart be troubled, I have overcome the world. See, this is the hope as Christians we have. As children of the light, we know that. But the devil, of course, always wants to say, oh, really? Seriously? Does God really love you? And all of those things that was with it. But, and we fail to see and to remember who we are. We are the baptized. We are the beloved. We are the beautiful. We are the blood-bought of God. And I don't care what Satan is going to try to throw at me, because he cannot take the gift of baptism mm. sacrament of the altar. That is my encouragement daily. Look forward to taking my shower. <clears throat> As I take my shower, I cross my uh, make the sign of the cross to remind me I am God's child in the waters of baptism. When I read the word, I remind myself I'm God's child. When I take the sacrament, I'm an honored guest at God's table. I mean, what better news can I share with people rather than uh, besides giving the word and the sacrament? As Paul says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. And I think you've given that to us this morning. Yeah. Your so wise man, encourage one another with these words. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's let's dig into the text. I want to read the first four verses as he captures right away of how he wants to encourage the Thessalonians to keep their eyes on Jesus. 
Verse 1. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While other while peoples are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. So what is he telling us here? Well, as you know, people have spent a lot of time trying to calculate when Christ is going to return. Mm-hmm. Now, Paul spent a very short time with the Thessalonians, maybe four or five, six months, maybe, in time. But he has taught them well. And, you know, he talks about the times and the seasons and measurements and seasons, you know, times go by. But he's saying to them, don't waste your time when this is going to be uh, taking place. Again, be distracted of what is important. Hmm. The ultimate is to do what God has given you to do. Be busy in doing what God has called you to do. Okay, Continue to be faithful good news bringer. Continue to be a light and salt. The Lord is, does not say, don't be prepared. You know, mm-hmm. you know, we we have a home. Like many of our listeners have a home or an apartment, and we try to make it as secure as possible, right? Mm-hmm. Certainly, I've never seen a thief say, hey, I'm coming to your home at o'clock in the morning so I can rob you, Okay. But daily, we prepare our house. Before I go to bed, I lock the doors. I make sure my garage is locked. My keys are out of the car. Everything else like this. But that's preparation. So when the thief comes, I'm not going to be robbed, right? right. doesn't mean that the thief is not coming. It's, it's uh, instead... Rather, we are ready at all times, no matter when. So this is kind of what Paul is saying. Spend hours saying, okay, uh, maybe he's going to come today. For the, I hope it come, he comes today, because that's great news for me. But I'm not going to waste my time or energy, like many have done, and I'm sure you're aware of this, where people have sold their home, not sold their property, and went and waited on the top of the hill for him to come, and he didn't show up. Mm-hmm. This is not what we are talking about. But to be rather busy in your daily life, doing what God has called you in every vocation, husband, wife, mother, um, father, son, daughter, teacher, pastor, whatever it is, be actively involved be concerned about doing what God has called you to do, then you will not be off guard. When the Lord returns, he will find us busy what we are doing, rather than sleeping so that we are caught off guard. And that's and that's very helpful because he's definitely pointing their eyes away from reading the newspaper to try to figure out when he's going to show up. Uh, he, he points us away from trying to do a mathematical equation to try to figure out when he's going to show up. Um, all, he, he points us away from all those things, and he says, okay, times and seasons, brothers, 
Don't worry about it, okay? He's going to come like a thief in the night. Yes, you prepare. And and you said this so well because you prepare. Like, we don't want a thief to come into our house, so we prepare. But it's not like we don't want Jesus to come into our lives. We're not saying that. We'll prepare in faith. You know, Jesus says, when I come back, will there be faith on this earth? And so we prepare, like you said so well, with the encouragement of the word, the sacraments, the forgiveness of sins, the prayers, uh, um, all of those things. And he says, prepare for all this. And and this is important for us to always remember that uh, he's going to come uh, kind of like uh, labor pains, like a pregnant woman knows she's pregnant, so she, but she doesn't know exactly when that baby is going to come out in the same way our Lord is going to show up and we least expect it. Um, so right. we have about a minute, we have a minute left here, Pastor. You want to say some last thoughts before we go to I our break? I was going to say, this is a very endearing letter. I read it in the Greek before we went on. Seven times in the chapter, he talks Adelphois, brothers, and six mm-hmm. times he calls about kurio, uh, kurios, more. Mm-hmm. So the focus on the brotherly conversation, if you think of David, who said how good and pleasant for us as brothers to dwell in unity. For us as a joy, for the brotherhood in the kingdom of God as servants is not to compete with one another, but to encourage one another through the word. Yesterday I sent a text to a colleague just encouraging him not to think less of himself as he's worthless or not to think he's superior in someone else that he's better, but rather beneath the cross, we are all equal. I, and I ended up with this thought, and we'll close with this one for now before portion is that you are God's child. Look at First John chapter 3, verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has lavished. I love that translation, has lavished mm. upon us that we should be call, called children of God, for that's what we are. The, se- mm. the devil wants to do what he did to Jesus. If you are the Son of God, I am the Son of God. If you are redeemed, I am redeemed. If you are saved, I am saved. This is where the comfort and the encouragement and the exhortation comes from being anchored in this precious life-giving word. The word of God is written for our learning and instruction to make us wise in all the necessary things as gifts from God. When we arm ourselves with these words, we are the stronger for it. And we know what God is doing for us as children of the light and children of the day. That we should be called children of God, and so we are. Another word to encourage us, but right now we need to take our break. We are citing First Thessalonians with Pastor Nabil Newer. We'll be right back. The family is where we learn to share, love, and care for each other. It's also where we learn to forgive and be forgiven. The same goes for God's family, the church. What it means to be a family with guest speaker Dr. Gerard Bowling this week on The Lutheran Hour. Sundays at 1230 and 5 p.m. on Worldwide KFUO.
You hear our voices every day as we speak the gospel, share the latest news, or for insightful and sometimes entertaining talk. Why not share your voice with us and send us your feedback, suggestions, and questions? Leave your comment at 314-996-1542. Be sure to follow us on social media, too, so you can like, comment, and share your favorite posts. Drop an email to KFUO at KFUO.org or send a snail mail letter to Worldwide KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. In 1924, by the grace of God, KFUO began broadcasting the goodness of Christ for you. A long part of this history is bringing you worship services to hear and receive the good gifts of God in His words. This Sunday morning, join us for services from Peace Lutheran Church at 8 a.m. and Hope Lutheran Church at 1045, as well as Bible study from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in De Pere at 930. Hear Christ for you in Sunday morning services on KFUO. studying 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 with Pastor Nabil Neuer. And as we've been looking at these words, it is, uh, Pastor Neuer has been really pointing us forward in these texts to remind us of how powerful it is to be paraclete people, people of the Holy Spirit, um, uh, people of, of encouragement, and especially to be encouraging with one another because we don't know when Christ is coming back. But our comfort is exactly how Pastor said it so well before our time, um, that we are here and we have Christ and we are children of God. And as it says in First John chapter 3, uh, what is it for us to be called children of God? And so we are. That's who we are. And we have comfort in that. Pastor, uh, Pastor Neuer, uh, any last thoughts on those first four verses? Yes, I do. I want to just share, you know, we talked about encouragement, and I also used uh, Martin Franzman's um, hymn mm-hmm. uh, that our lives each would be a high doxology for God. And, you know, we talked about the bringers of good news, the fulfillment of Isaiah 52, verse 7, that we should have feet that bring good news. You know, and think of when trouble comes upon us, when a friend passes so we go to the family and we encourage them with the good news. And so we, we bring those encouragement to help them. J.S. Bach wrote, and I quote, God has always stood by us in every moment of cross and wall. Let praise arise to God in every land. Let praise arise. You know, God will never leave us alone. Mm-hmm. He is the light of the world that brings us hope in hopeless time. And he is the one who gives us help in helpless time. So our eyes ought to be focused because his word is, it truly is the light for our path. And that's where we need to be anchored in that word. The more we are anchored in that word and the more we are armed with that word, the more power we have to fight the enemy to who wants to destroy us, of course, and that is sin, that, that is Satan. And this is where, you know, uh, 
Uh, for I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor things of present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's exactly the foundation of what Paul is using as he writes these words. And as you said so well, we're going to get to this a little bit later. It points me to Ephesians 6 where it talks about the sword of the spirit and the breastplate of righteousness and all of these things, which is the word of God that encourages us and moves us forward to not worry about the times and seasons, but to focus our eyes on Christ. Last thoughts before we move on. I think you covered it very well. <laughs> you know, rather than being distracted by the things that could take us away from being anchored in the world, may we always remain steady and busily uh, doing doing what God has called us to do. Whatever it is, whether you're a carpenter or a painter or a mechanic or a mom at home, whatever your position in life, that is your calling. Do it to the best of your ability and bring glory and honor to God because you are light and you are salt. Not you will be light or you will be. You are now by virtue of baptism and the great gift of the sacrament. Verse 5, really, I'm just going to jump right on to what you just said. Verse 5, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. He reaffirms our identity. And what is he saying so beautifully here, Pastor? Well, he continues to remind us that we were once in the past. And he'll bring that up shortly. We Mm -hmm. were once in the past children of darkness like he was and uh, i think it was yesterday i was visiting with one of my colleagues yeah i told him that i was going to be doing this on uh, he says what's one point that really stands out for you i said you know paul saw the light on the road to damascus but at that moment Mm -hmm. the light really did not kick in or come on okay it was later when he began to study all of the scripture that the light truly came on in his heart and his mind remember he used to be the persecutor of the church and now he is the preacher for the church remember he used to be the murderer of those who followed the way. And now he is the minister of the messianic message. Remember, he brought terror to people who followed Jesus, but now he triumphantly speaks of the great love. This man can speak firsthand of the goodness of God to him, for he now has become a child of the light and a child of the day. In this portion of the scripture, you see the life of Paul from the past to the future, the same with us. One of my favorite comments I write to many people, I always say this, and I quote, every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. I'll repeat it. Every saint has a past, and every sinner has a future. Paul affirms this thought with these words, for you all are children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night. 
We are not of the darkness. Because Christ has touched our lives, and he has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, First Peter. Mm-hmm. We are no longer in the darkness. We are no longer in the darkness. We are children of the light. And the more we are connected to the light, the more we reflect the light of Christ to the world. And that's the hope of glory we have as we communicate and encourage others who are still looking at this bleak world with all its troubles and all its tribulation and all of its temptation. It doesn't mean that we don't have trouble. We do. Mm-hmm. But with Christ by our side, he has overcome all of these troubles. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. This goes in encouragement, peace. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. First John 1, verse 7. And I think that Correct. is beautifully put exactly what you said. This, this is what we can encourage one another. The light of Jesus shines upon us. And what, what, I mean, what is this light? The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Say it, say it again for us, the saint and the sinner. T- tell us that tagline again. Okay, my, my uh, thoughts on this. Every saint has a past, mm-hmm. and every sinner has a future. Wonderful. Okay, uh, you know, one of the Latin phrases we use, of course, Jesus, uh, excuse me, we are sinner and saint simultaneously, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't use the Latin words, but the English words suffice. So I am a saint, but I'm also a sinner. As a saint, before I became a saint, I had sinned. But in my baptism, my Lord washed me away. You talked about First John 1, 7, right? He cleanses us from all our righteousness. My mm. past as a sinner has made me now a saint. But if you are still a sinner, there is the future. Because with Christ, everything is real and he changes our lives this is what i said earlier in my uh, opening uh, remark we are paraclete people and, and we are children of the resurrection living each and every day as if christ died yesterday rose today and is coming back tomorrow if we think oh i got all the time in the world then we become sleepy Okay, mm-hmm. and we will mm-hmm. we'll come to that here shortly. We become sleepy and not sober, not watchful, not on guard. We let oh, let's not worry about it right now. No, you need to be prepared now, because when it is necessary to be, when the storms comes in life, then you should be prepared. Uh, you know, I live in South Dakota right now, and here we have many ranchers. Who in the uh, before the winter hits here, they go out and put the snow fences up. Okay, yeah, yeah. that's mm-hmm. preparation to bring security to their livestock. Mm-hmm. I have never seen a farmer go and do that when it's blowing sixty miles an hour and snowing like you know what buckets full. No, mm-hmm. you do this ahead of time. This is what we are to do at all times. We are to be prepared for His coming. And there is no greater preparation than being anchored in that word. The word of God will never disappoint. The word of God will accomplish the purpose for which God sent it. That's from Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11. It will accomplish the purpose for what he sent it for. And we also know 
that in everything that we do, God works it for our good and for his glory. Romans 8, 28. So when we think we are children of the light, we live in that light daily. We don't live in the light just on Sunday morning and the rest of the week. You live your life. No, you are anchored in that word every single day. That is the fuel that keeps you moving forward and having the hope of glory. You know, you have a car. Am I right? Do you, do you own a car? I do own a car, Pastor Noor. Do you? How often do you fill it up with gas? <laughs> uh, well, probably weekly. Yes. Okay. And why do you do that? Well, because I want to get around and hopefully drive ah, from South Dakota to Mount Rushmore someday. Well, you can certainly welcome here, no problem. But my point with this, <laughs> my point with this is that you fill up the car so that you would never run out on the road. Yes. We fill ourselves with the living word daily so that when we are weak and we don't have enough time to spend in the word, we are able to draw on the gas that we have, if we use the analogy, the gas of God's word, which is high octane to keep us moving forward in doing what God has called us as his children to reflect his love, to reflect his mercy, to reflect his compassion, to reflect his kindness. And one of my biggest prayers daily is that when I meet people, I hope those who are with me can say, you know, this man has been with Jesus today. Mm -hmm. That's what I want people to know. I, I matter nothing. I'm just an instrument. I'm just a vessel in the kingdom for the use by God's glory. I have no merits of my own, but what I have is what I share about the goodness and the kindness and the grace of God who has changed my life for the better. And I'll say this to you so that you understand what I mean by that. When I was growing up in Israel, I was a rascal. I was just a troublemaker. And I came to this country and I heard the gospel for the first time. And I went back home, and I was reading the Bible, and my dad walked in after wit- uh, witnessing me doing this daily. He said, Nabil, I don't know what happened to you, son. You left like a devil. You came back like an angel. What mm. changed your life? And I said, Dad, sit down. I will tell you about Jesus, my Lord and Savior. That was the first time I actually witnessed about the change that took place in my life, because for the first time, the light was open in my mind and in my heart that I saw the Lord, not as just somebody that I know about or heard about, but truly living active in my life. Hmm. Well, thanks be to God, as we've been saying, and, and, and you said it so well. What brings this, what sustains this is the fuel, and I can't help but not think about the 10 virgins in Matthew 25. I thought uh, of that earlier, about, too. Yep. 
Yeah. And, and that's why I think it's good for us to move on to verses six through eight, because we can speak to that even more because it talks about drowsiness and sleeping and staying awake and all this kind of stuff. So let's read verses six through eight and expand on what we just said. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. So he tells us not to sleep, uh, to stay awake and be sober. What is he telling us to do here? Well, uh, you have to understand, he's not saying, well, don't sleep at all. You need your proper rest, okay? We, we need to make sure we clearly understand the Scripture rather than implying what does, it does not say. He just tells us to not sleep from the work that we do. By, by that, he means don't be slothful. Don't just piddle away your time without being alert. And it is similar. You brought in the versions, uh, the five wise one and the five uh, unwise one. Now, mm-hmm. if you know that um, um, earthly story with a heavenly meaning, all of them fell asleep, right? Right, yep. It does not say all of them fell asleep. The only difference, the wise ones had prepared, they had the time, they had enough oil, and they had the match to light what they needed to do. That's the preparation for us, he says. So then let us not sleep as others do. Okay? And what do we mean by sleeping? So many people are so consumed with, with worldly affairs, they're focusing on earthly situations and condition rather than the heavenly things. So they are so distracted, they don't have enough time to fill their tank with the high octane of message of hope. Okay? Mm. So they fall asleep to be slumberly uh, rather than watchful. On the other hand, for those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for helmet of hope of salvation. By the way, the Greek here is different than Ephesians 6. But again, uh, yeah, they're not the same word being used here as it is in Ephesians 6. But what Paul is talking about, when a soldier is on duty, he is standing guard. He doesn't dare to go to sleep. Okay, mm-hmm. he is on guard because he has been commissioned by his superiors to watch and do what he has been entrusted to do. And if you fall asleep, there is the danger of losing that position or your life. And so this is what Christ, through the Holy Spirit, helps Paul to write for us to be always on the lookout, always on guard, always doing what God has told us to do, to be sober, to be mindful, to be watchful, and to be ready as the paraclete people. Because paraclete people are people who are going to be studying the Word and drawing from that Word whatever they need to carry them through the day. At the end of the day, you go to sleep, Even in your sleep, you are prepared so that even when Christ comes, 
He's going to take you out of this world, not because of what you have accomplished or prepared to do, but because he has promised he's coming back to take you to be with him. And that is and that is a great explanation for us, because how easy and especially the last year, how easy is it to get wound up in the worldly affairs, like you said so well? And that's that's like us falling asleep, standing up almost, that we are, yep. we're here, but we're not here when it comes to faith. We're looking around, but we're not really, you know, focused in on the word, like you said, the fuel that our Lord has given to us, the sacraments which he gives so blessedly to us. Um, so be sober. He's not talking about, don't have, don't have an extra beer, you know, be awake. He's not staying, stay up all night but to prepare because our lord is going to come and so stay in the faith by the fuel he gives uh, that that is so helpful last thoughts on those verses yeah you know as a minister and you know this i like a long runway for my preaching schedule so i work two or three months ahead on what i'm going to preach and i have notes all over so that when the time comes emergencies. You've been a pastor. You know what it's like. There's a funeral. There is a miscarriage. There's somebody going to the hospital, and you don't have all the time, but you've done preparation work, so you can draw on what you have done rather than say, okay, it's Sunday morning. What am I going to be preaching on today? Well, you're not (laughs) going to give anybody something that's going to be salutary because you haven't even taken the time to invest and to digest what that word is. Whereas for me, I have a long runway, and the longer runway I have, the better I'm able to proclaim the wonderful good news of salvation, because I have been studying for the time, rather than being distraught with all of the other things. So that when the temptation comes, when the troubles come, you can stand firm on that one truth that Jesus will carry you through because he has given you all of these gifts to use for his kingdom as child of the light, even as we think of the hope of salvation that we have. You know, as we began this Mm. uh, dialogue with you, I said, what greater news that we have than to know that I am baptized, I am blood-bought, I'm beautiful, I am beloved, and I'm child of God. What else do I need to help me go forward. I know who I am. I don't care if people don't like me. I know Jesus loves me. And that's where we come up with the next portion as we get close to verses 9 through the 11. I think, I think you said that so well. Once again, reminder that as paraclete, paraclete people, which I really appreciate how you put that into this, because I, you kind of changed my whole mindset as I was reading this, because I kind of had one direction, and you've taken me in a wonderful direction to point us to identity. This is who we are, ones who are a child of our Lord. We are baptized. Everything else can go because we know that our Lord loves us, and this is how he operates, and this is how he sees us. So let's read those last few verses. As you said, we have about six minutes left in our time here. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. 
Now, Pastor Newer, I just wanted to say this before you get into your uh, thoughts, is God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation, pointing us to the truth that, that, that Christ has died for the world, and he's died for you. This is, once again, an identity piece, which makes us even less worried about that he might come in next week, but it makes us think about how can I prepare my heart to always remember this truth. So thoughts on these last verses. I do. I have, uh, you know, you brought this up. Um, he did not destine us. And you, if you look at all of Scripture, you know, for example, First Timothy 2, 4, God desires that no people would be perishing, but all will come to know his salvation. Most people know John three sixteen, but very few really know uh, John three seventeen. For God did mm. not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. We stop with six, uh, 16, excuse me, but we don't hardly, uh, not mm. many at least, not many focus on 17, because we know God did not want to condemn people, even now. You know, uh, this morning I was talking to another colleague, talked about Jude, uh, you know, Judas, who, who uh, betrayed um, had a written contract for death on the life of Jesus, if you want to call it that. But just like the mafia, right? He went to the mafia, says, okay, what will you give me? So they signed a contract for 30 pieces of silver. But even if Judas would have come to Jesus and asked for forgiveness. Now, we know he was remorseful about what he had done. And then yet, yet... He didn't come to Jesus for the forgift of forgiveness and took his life instead. And that is sad. That is really, really, really sad. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, it is sad. But going back to this, God did not destined us to wrath. You know, uh, we believe in predestination. We do not believe nor teach double predestination. Okay, and for those who don't know what I mean by that, let me explain. God predestined all humanity to live with him eternally. On the other hand, those who teach double predestination would teach this, which is unbiblical and untruthful and incorrect that God destined some people to live with him and others to go to hell. That is not biblical and that is not true. And so we need to remember these things because he is truly the God of our salvation. And he is the one who saved us to live with him. No matter what may happen, there's nothing that will be able to separate us from the love of God. And those are words, and I love how you put that together, because we can have the distinction that can be very mixed up, uh, words of either questions, so like, ooh, did he actually die for me or didn't he, uh, versus uh, truth, and that brings you comfort. And that's what he's doing this whole time. He's telling us, you are paraclete people, not, not because you have all this power yourself. No, he gives that power. He has died for you. He has done all of this for you because for God so loved the world, as you said so well, too. In verse 17, he did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Pastor, we have one minute left. How would you wrap up our verses that we went through today to, to everyone who's listening today? Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. 
Keep doing what God called you to do. Live in the best possible way as a mother, wife, daughter, grandmother, father, son, whatever it is God has given you to do, encourage one another with that lifestyle so that they see the light of Christ in you and thus bring glory to his holy name. Pastor Nabil Neuer of Trinity Lutheran Church in Hartford, South Dakota, helping us today with 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, reminding us that we are paraclete people. Pastor Neuer, thank you for being our guest. Thank you, and God's richest blessings be with you. Take care. Saints of our Lord, we hear that Christ will come like a thief in the night, which can be quite terrifying, but today Pastor Neuer reminded us so well that our hope is not in the timing. Our hope is in Christ who has called us to be his own, that he has done all this to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, and that we are to encourage and be paraclete people with other people this Easter season. As we said so well, and as Pastor Neuer reminded us, Christ has risen, he has risen indeed, and so far you are a child of God. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord uh, keep you safe in the palm of his hands.